today on this episode of the PV Roundup Specialist Spotlight. So we can achieve really bad things, but we can achieve really great things when we put our mind to it and there's some incentive. Today, we welcome back to the podcast, Dr. David Wall, an infectious disease specialist from the University of North Carolina School of Medicine for this edition of the PV Roundup Specialist Spotlight. I'm your host, Senior VP Medical Director, Dr. Tim Wright, and joining me today is a friend of the podcast and an infectious disease specialist, Dr. David Wall. He is a professor of medicine, Division of Infectious Disease at the University of North Carolina School of Medicine, Chapel Hill. He is also the site leader of the HIV Prevention and Treatment Clinical Trials Unit at Chapel Hill and the co-lead of the UNC Viral Hemorrhagic Fever Research Working Group. So, David, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So it's been a while, actually nearly a year since August 2021 when we last talked. Obviously, there are a few things in the ID world that we can discuss. First off, until a couple of weeks ago, several folks that I follow in the Boston Globe had thought that this was going to be a very good summer in terms of COVID-19. And then BA4 and BA5 showed up. Thoughts on that? Yeah, if anything we've learned over the last couple of years is that anything can happen, especially things that are fairly predictable, like this virus evolving over time. And remember, the virus is evolving not to become more sinister. It's, it's looking at opportunities, of course, to spread more readily. More spready virus outspreads less spready virus. And if you follow horse racing or NASCAR, you know, the fastest, most across the line wins. And so that's what we're seeing with these variants. We're just selecting for those that are easier to transmit. Do you feel as if a couple of experts I followed said that this may be heading to be endemic and that it may be the evolutionary pressures to spread more, but not kill your host are sort of pushing it into an area where we're going to be dealing with this basically forever? Yeah, we're there already. Okay. You know, this, is, this is a virus that just is circulating widely. It's like a half a degree of separation between most of us and somebody who's been diagnosed recently. Uh, whereas in the beginning of the pandemic, I hardly knew anyone in my circle you know, who was, is getting infected. Now it's everyone left to, of you and right to you. So yeah, we're there. We're endemic. This is going to stick around. It's going to basically be where we kind of hoped it would be. If we can't eradicate it, then let's live with it and make it a, a nuisance rather than an existential threat. Right. And, and now you know another person because in late March, um, despite my best efforts and getting my J&J vaccine and my Moderna booster, I went to pick up my car at the shop, diligently wearing a mask in the lobby and so forth. And then no coughing in the waiting room, but I did hear some coughing back in the shop Guy pulls my car around, mask on, I have my mask on, I get in the car and immediately take my mask off. And four days later, I'm starting to have this very sort of, you know, weird throat. And I thought, oh, this is allergies. And then the next day, my voice gets totally bizarre. And then 36 hours of fever and chills that I might have thought was parainfluenza. Did I not know about COVID? And then that was it. And my test went negative about six days after that. So I figure probably Omicron didn't get the subspecies test. And I also read that statistically somewhere, 80% of Omicron infections may be asymptomatic. Are, are you seeing that? 
certainly a lot of folks have been infected and had such mild symptoms that they're either asymptomatic or minimally symptomatic and just chalked it up, especially to allergies because of the overlap with the symptoms. And I might be in that boat too. I mean, I, I struggle with allergies like everyone else in North Carolina. Uh, And so, you know, any one of those episodes of runny nose could have been Omicron, who knows? Uh, And, and, you know, so, you know, the antibody tests that's been done to look at people who have antibodies that reflect not the vaccine, but actual infection show us that almost two thirds of people in the country and 75% of little people, uh, children have already been infected at least once. And I think many of those folks also have been infected time and time again. Right. And so that brings me to my next question, which is, you know, with the arrival of this Omicron variant, what do you think about the impending bivalent booster? I read an article that some folks are debating, I guess it's happening just as we speak at the FDA or the CDC. Do we just go with a straight Omicron vaccine or do we go with a bivalent vaccine? Yeah. One thing people should realize is that we're, we're so fortunate even to be having this debate. So I know there's a tendency to be like, oh, well, these experts don't know what they're doing. It's so frustrating. No, it's, it's that we have some good choices to make um, and some good options before us. Good news is even the tried and true OG vaccines that we're dealing with, J&J, Pfizer, Moderna, they work really well at keeping people out of the hospital and making this an endemic infection that's just a pain in the nose right? That's it. And it keeps you out of work and makes your voice go weird. Okay, great. But you're not on life support. That's the key thing. So even the original vaccines, which were developed for an ancestral strain of the virus that is now extinct, gone the way of the dinosaurs because it couldn't compete. Okay. So even though it's antiquated, it works great and fantastically safe. So the idea is, well, if we tweak the vaccine, Uh, which mRNA technology lets you do, do we get more bang for the buck? And is it worth it to now have to have a whole new inventory set up of this newer vaccine when we still have plenty of the old vaccine? Do we get more antibody response? Do we get more protection from infection? Because that's what we're really missing. We do get protection from infection for sure, but we would like it to be even higher. Um, So that's what we're missing. Will this bivalent, meaning It has the original stuff, but now also some response that that some sequences of of Omicron. And to be clear, this is BA1 and 2, not 4 and 5. And that's what's coming down the pipe. So will it also be somewhat obsolete by the time it becomes available in the fall? That's what the FDA has to weigh right now. And there is a camp, as you mentioned, that said, let's just keep with the OG vaccine, the original we don't have to mess with it. We know this really well. We have it on hand. We know how to administer it. And let's maybe have annual tweaking of the vaccine as we predict what's coming next, just like we do for flu. I was going to say, a la flu. Yeah, exactly. And that makes sense to me. That that's I'm, I'm Sign me up for that. I'm right. cool with that. If everyone could go back to work, if I could start taking my mask off, because I am a diligent masker as well, you know, that would be okay to me. I, I don't mind. And I'm sure, I'm sure smart folks are thinking how to make an mRNA vaccine against flu. So you could get them both together. Yeah. No, amazing. And I went back in the time capsule and I listened to our very first podcast. And, and one of the things that you were really pushing for, and my internist called me when he found out that I had 
He said, we could start you on the antiviral, but he goes, you're not old enough and you're not sick enough, so we're not going to do it. Thoughts on what we have aside from a vaccine? That's the issue. And there was in the back of my head as we were talking, that's really still for me a gap. So the issue is not that this medicine um, you know, is, is so good that we should all be getting it. It's really good at keeping people out of the hospital. So we're talking about oral therapies that can keep people out of the hospital, but don't ameliorate your symptoms any sooner. Don't get you back to work sooner. There's anecdotes, but the data don't support that. But that's what we need. Because imagine you're getting your annual uh, COVID-19 engineered vaccine along with your flu vaccine. You're feeling pretty good. But you know that if you do get ill, you could take something that could knock out one or both. Um, you know, we do have medicine now, Tamiflu, that we take, of course, if we get flu. We need something like that for COVID. And right now we don't have that except for people who are really pretty high risk for getting sick. We could give it to them and keep them out of the hospital. Right. And, you know, I think that if we all had looked, and, and you're right, it's all expectations. Like today, if we looked at how frustrated people were now, a year and a half ago, we'd be like, what are you talking about? You, you know, you're keeping people off ventilators and out of hospitals. So expectations change as things go on. And that was my final question to wrap up COVID is, what are your expectations for this fall and coming winter? Vaccines have totally outstripped therapeutics, as we've talked about. We haven't seen the innovation in therapeutics that we really need. We're recycling monoclonal antibodies. Monoclonal antibodies have their limits. This is, they target the one part of the virus that mutates the most. So it's always an arms race. It's a catch-up game. So, and they're hard to give. So I, I, I don't see the future necessarily being monoclonal antibodies. I think we need oral antivirals like an oral Tamiflu. Right. For COVID. And I, I think that the technology really, really has to push for that. We will get better vaccines. Remember, these are the, you know, the version 1.0. This is the iPhone 1.0 of vaccines. We need to leapfrog to at least eight, nine, or 10. I'd like to see nasal vaccines, right. something soon. We shouldn't rest on our laurels. We shouldn't be complacent. We should be pushing as hard as we can for vaccines that prevent infection not just prevent us from getting really, really sick. And I worry a little bit that maybe the foot is being relaxed off the pedal when it comes to that. So I'm hoping we can push that further. In the meantime, as you mentioned, we'll probably have some tweaked vaccines towards the end of the year. We'll start incorporating this into some sort of annual schedule. That makes sense. But I really would like to see us leapfrog um, to something bigger and better, like nasal vaccines and like better therapeutics. Great. So I'm going to switch gears here a little bit. And because I have an infectious disease doctor on my podcast, I'm going to start with something that went from being a board question for most of us to now being in the news, especially here in Massachusetts, monkeypox. As an ID specialist, can you give us your take on these cases? And what do non-ID healthcare professionals need to know and look for? There's so many different stories and lessons with what we're dealing with with monkeypox right now. For me, who work, you know, I work in West Africa. I do work on viral hemorrhagic fevers, including one called Lassa fever. We could have been talking about that. Luckily, we're not. So we're talking about infections that are endemic uh, in parts of the world where we don't like even think about it. Like we don't care because it's not in our neighborhood and they're so far away. And this is another reason why we should care. We should care about those people because we're human beings and we should be sympathetic and empathetic, but also because there can be 
spill over outside these regions to other places. So just for also our own self-interest. Monkeypox is a good example of something that had already started to spread within parts of Africa that had not had it before. So it had spilled over into Nigeria where really it had not been previously. So we've already had some red alert signals that this is spreading from West Africa to Central Africa. Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing it spread to other parts of the world in a really kind of unique um, way that just goes to show you these, these pathogens find their niches. And once they do, um, they take off. Yeah, I mean, that was my recollection of monkeypox was almost the same. The way I put it in my head was smallpox, you know, the same sort of right. thing. You, And then all of a sudden it shows up and you're like, oh, I have to now remember all that stuff that I learned for a board question, being an ER doc by training, and forgot many years ago. Okay, and finally, from over across the pond, poliovirus is being found in the wastewater of London. Thoughts on that? You know, London's an interesting place. And it, we saw some of the first cases of monkeypox there. And there's been cases sporadically uh, over the last few years in uh, London. And the first time I heard about monkeypox recently, before this outbreak became widely known, was from a provider who I was having um, an outdoor dinner with um, who told me, hey, you know what? I saw a case of monkeypox last week. And um, this was before news had gotten out. He said, don't tell anybody. So, you know, London is a really great crossroads. And so I think it's important sentinally uh, to understand what's going on. And wastewater is important. We're learning with COVID-19, as we've seen, that we can kind of predict things or at least understand where things are headed. So I, I think that that's concerning. Remember that this is a, a strain of um, polio that was originally uh, in the vaccine. Right. It's, it's spread. It's contagious. I'm not too surprised. We have not eradicated polio for largely... Um, you know, really bad reasons. Um, you know, this we're a tough species and um, there's places in the world where we could have eradicated it, but there are forces there, you know, armed forces that don't let that happen. Um, and we're all suffering the consequences. So we will have these flare-ups. Believe me, there's a whole bunch of things that are going on in the world right now, whether it be armed conflict, climate change that changes habitats, that um, the way that people are forced to migrate, there are all these forces that will allow niches to be created, that will allow pathogens like monkeypox, like, like loss of fever, like Ebola, like coronaviruses, like pandemic flu, you know, that to spread. So I am not going to be out of business anytime soon, unfortunately. Um, so I think we've seen this before. We're going to see it again. Um, but we need to have a very calibrated, smart response. We've learned from COVID that if we don't get this right from the beginning, we are then doomed, doomed to suffer more than we should have. You know, and it, it from someone of a certain age who actually had a couple of distant cousins who had, you know, paralysis from polio, you know, there are generations removed from that who are like, oh, it, it's not a thing anymore. And you're like, you haven't seen the devastation from it. Right, right. That's the problem. And so I think there's, there's, you know, the memory and we forget. Um, but then again, this goes to show you that, you know, this is why um, sometimes we have had some great successes. And I think as you pointed out before, those of us who are older have had smallpox vaccination that protects us probably from monkeypox. I'm unaware of, of the data, but I suspect that almost everyone who's been diagnosed with monkeypox um, has not had a, a smallpox vaccine. And it's the, the, 
the pulling up of the smallpox vaccine program, because it was eradicated, that allowed monkeypox to take off. Um, so that protection was lost. Um, so we've learned a lesson there, and maybe we'll have to go back to vaccinating people against the um, orthopox viruses in the future. Amazing stuff. And to wrap it up, any other thoughts on any infectious diseases that I've missed that might be interesting in the news? I know that I've been following, you know, some of the work from the HIV community saying like, look, there's some technologies here from what we've learned against the coronavirus that we should be using to help come up with a vaccine. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that this is where, you know, for all the, the, you know, um, cynicism about the you know medical industrial complex there are some remarkable achievements that could be had with the incentives of making a lot of money and doing some good Um, and when we see these partnerships they can yield fantastic things like the covid19 vaccines there is a huge appetite for an hiv vaccine and the mrna technology may help us there there's so many parallels i mean even just thinking about HIV, which we think of as a sexually transmitted disease, didn't originate as a sexually transmitted disease. Monkeypox, which was not necessarily a sexually transmitted disease, I think may become an endemic sexually transmitted disease in the world. And we're going to have to start thinking about that when we think about syphilis or herpes. So we learn, you know, the hard way. But I do think the technologies that we have, even that I can get a test sent to me in the mail that's made out of cardboard and plastic, that could tell me within 15 minutes whether I have a novel coronavirus that didn't exist three years ago. That's remarkable. So we can achieve really bad things, but we can achieve really great things when we put our mind to it and there's some incentive. And I think that's where we're going to leave it today. Thanks so much. Yeah, anytime. Take care. Be safe. And that's today's episode of the Specialist Spotlight. Thank you for joining us. For more stories like these, visit us at pvroundup.com to subscribe to our weekly newsletters. You can send any tips or suggestions to editorial at pvroundup.com. Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, or Google. You can also download our Amazon Alexa Flash Briefing Medical News Roundup and just ask, what's my flash briefing? Thanks today to our guests, Dr. David Wall, to Norm Dion, Sean Mullen, and Kate Rio for production assistance. Join me next time for an episode where we'll cover the latest stories in the world of medicine.